When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle, from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, a.k.a. 5E, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. Welcome back to another episode of the Over the Monster podcast. Uh, this is your host, Matt Collins, and uh, for the first time since, I think, late September, I think is the last time just the two of us have been together, it is uh, Brian Joyner joining me. Uh, Brian, what's going on uh, with this busy offseason for everybody except for the Red Sox? Well... It wasn't until you said that that I realized the Patriots lose to the Bills. It might just be our fault. <laughs> well, yeah. Although, man, yeah, they can afford a loss. But uh, we are not a Patriots podcast, and I would not pretend to know much about anything with the Patriots other than uh, Matt Judon wears red sleeves, and I think it's pretty neat. Um, but yeah, as far as the Red Sox go, like I said, the league has been going just buck wild and free agency this year it looks like the nfl looks like the nba um obviously because of the looming lockout uh league is expected to lock out the players and put a transaction uh freeze into place wednesday night so tonight when you're listening to this at midnight um everything is probably gonna go on hold until they can figure out a new cba and we'll get into that a little bit later but um teams are signing just about everyone before that happens the red sox have largely sat that out they've made just one uh, major league signing during this flurry it was not a high profile one they signed michael waka a former cardinal met 
Ray, mostly with the Cardinals. Um, One-year contract, $7 million. Um, Obviously not Max Scherzer or anybody like that, but just, I mean, not thinking about the rest of the rotation for a second, just thinking about Michael Waka in a vacuum, one-year, $7 million. Um, Is that contract fair, too much, a steal? Um, I mean, it's obviously a small deal, but how are you feeling about the contract um, just in general? Well, to start off with the groaner, if he's in a vacuum, he sucks. <laughs> hey, hey The contract is, I mean, obvi- this is such standard operating procedure for these Red Sox to get these middle-aged starters on one-year deals and see if they can figure it out, like Nick Pavetta. Maybe it doesn't work. Um, and not just starters, but like swing guys. And uh, maybe it doesn't work, like uh, Garrett Richards. Though... He was nice out of the bullpen eventually. Um, I mean, this is obviously a totally fair deal and a pretty by Chaim Bloom's numbers uh, deal. Uh, I don't know. I'm not too excited either way, but $7 million is almost nothing. So, uh, yeah. I can't really get too worked up about it. The only thing that seems to be working people up is that it is the big deal at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, we can get into that sort of thing a little bit. Um, I think this deal very much reminds me of Garrett Richards, Martin Perez, in that it's, it's fine in a vacuum. It's fine if it's not the biggest deal. Obviously, so far it has been, but um, they have time, although the options are dwindling. Um, they should sign somebody better, and then this deal probably looks a little bit better. I think it's probably, I mean, if you were to ask me before he signed, I would probably say he should get like a four or five million dollar deal. So I guess in that sense, it's too much, but I don't, I mean, I'm not going to get worked up over a couple million dollars. Um, there's reasons to like him, there's many more reasons not to. Um, but I think. You know, we think about the comparison to Richards and Perez. It's not necessarily a positive comparison, but I think it can fit for this Red Sox team as long as he's expected to be sort of what those guys were, which was you throw it at the wall, you hope that it works out. And for them, it did for a couple months. I mean, they ended up losing their spot in the rotation because they fell on their face as the year went on. But for about a month, six weeks there in the early part of the season, they were both very good and Um, big parts of the rotation. So I think you're kind of hoping that Waka can go on that sort of run in the first half of the season. And then um, by the time you get towards the all-star break, you've got Tanner Hoke, you've got Garrett Whitlock, you've got Connor Siebold, Cutter Crawford, Brian Bayo. I mean, Josh Winkowski, they have a lot of these guys um, that probably just need a couple more months to really, maybe not Whitlock and Hoke, but the other guys need another month or two to kind of, um, make sure you're really confident in their ability to start and then they can take Waka's spot. So um, I certainly don't think it's enough. I think they need to do more to the rotation. I'm not necessarily excited about Michael Waka, but I mean, I can't really get worked up about the contract and all of that. It's more about what else they do than Waka itself, which kind of puts him um, in a tough spot. But one of the reasons that, I mean, anytime you see a deal like that, people are digging and looking for the reason um, that they signed him and why they think he's going to be a breakout. And most of the time it doesn't really work out, but with Waka, uh, he did pitch very well down the stretch, um, changed up his arsenal a little bit more, um, started going towards his curveball a little bit more towards the season, ditching his cutter. And the results were very good, especially in September, had a three year array, uh, much better peripherals. Are you buying into that surge as anything more than small sample uh small sample noise um, and think that it's a legitimate reason why he can be more of a surprise next season. I'm buying it as a reason to take a flyer on it. Um, I mean, you said that the price is a little bit higher than you would expect it. I I don't know. Um, First of all, there's contracts these days seem to be increasing uh, in value, of course, up until midnight tonight slash yesterday it's when people are listening. Damn inflation, Joe Biden. Um, but I think that it's I, 
I'm not saying it's uninspired. It's actually, it's a good strategy. The only thing that seems to bother maybe you more than it bothers me, but doesn't really bother you is just the sequencing because um, it's such a depth move that I think we naturally order these things from biggest to smallest and how we'd see the, how we'd like to see them tackled. But he's doing the small stuff first, hopefully, but it could just all be small stuff, uh, relatively small stuff. I wouldn't put it past them. And in the likely event that the Jim Bowden Red Sox, Carlos Correa rumors are not going to come to fruition. Um, I don't know outside of, say, Marcus Stroman, how high the high end is going to be. Um, and which is a long way of saying that this deal is exactly what they want to do um, on a yearly basis. And just this is a process deal. I'm interested more in where they spend big money, if if at all. Yeah, I mean, in terms of in terms of the Waka late season stuff, um, I think a lot of people, um, and I'm just talking about people on Twitter. Um, so your mileage may vary on how much you care about what. Um, people's opinions on Twitter's are, but I think people are kind of trying to turn that late season into, Hey, this is actually a good rotation piece. And he's like a really solid player. And I, I don't know. I mean, I think you, I think you nailed it when you said it's, it's worth a flyer. And I think 7 million in today's baseball economy qualifies as maybe a mildly expensive flyer. But again, I don't really care about the difference between a $4 million deal and a $7 million deal. Um, that shouldn't really stop them from doing anything else. I think, I think that I would be more confident if the Rays used him, like, at all in the playoffs. But, I mean, the Rays are supposed to be this pitching whisperer organization, and I think they are. I don't think those um, those descriptions are off base. But they – I mean, we saw that we the Red Sox played them in the playoffs, and they could have used another pitcher. They Their rotation was kind of thin, and it was inexperienced, and they, they didn't – you, they didn't turn to Waka at all, so that I mean, if they weren't really confident in that late sur- season surge immediately following that September, um, I don't know why I should be that much more confident. But again, it does. He doesn't need to be like they don't need him to turn into a number, even a number three starter. They just need him to be fine in the back end. Um, and so, I mean, I think ideally for me, he probably. I mean, he's the fifth starter, right? You don't want him any higher than that on the depth chart. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe, but we'll see. I mean, this is, I mean, I, he's, said, I mean, right now I think he's number four, but I would say, I mean, that just speaks to, they need another starter. I mean, you said mind. this seems like the Garrett Richards and Perez deals and it kind of does, but it feels like Pavetta. To, I mean, it, they're all the same. Like to me, all these deals are the same except for Pavetta's was two years. Well, um, Pavetta was a trade. And okay, but I, don't know, I always felt same, that was more about Seabold than Pavetta, but yeah, same basic idea. I get what you're saying. Same basic, like all these guys to me are all the same. It's just a volume business. Um, and he's just one of several guys like this they may add, likely will add. I did like that it seems like, a, I mean, him coming from the Rays makes it look like a Rays move too. And the next day, the Rays signed Corey Kluber, and they were like, oh, you thought you were the Rays. No, 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 no. We are still the Rays. Yeah, come on. So it's, uh, I mean, but it does seem to me, and you can look at the deals the Rays made, the Kluber deal, and you look at the Nelson Cruz deal last year, that they are comfortable operating on the edges of age, whereas Bloom seems to... All his guys seem to be in the 28 to 33 range. And he's going for the deals within there to see if there's some prime that can be salvaged or excavated or like brought to life. If if there's a difference I see there, uh, that, that would be it. 
Yeah, that's fair. Um, and I kind of wonder, I mean, I I don't think it's a bad thing to have too many of these sort of back-end arms, but I do wonder if it's even worth it to target one of these guys, because if they do, I mean, we've ta- we've already mentioned it a few times, We, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure you agree with me, they need another starter that is, like, clearly better than Nick Pavetta, which Waka does not qualify that. He might be around the same as Nick Pavetta, but he's not clearly better. They need an Eduardo Rodriguez replacement, effectively. Um, and they have Hauk and Whitlock and this kind of pushes them back, which I don't think is a bad thing, but I also don't know that it was necessarily, um, something they needed to do. Um, who do you think makes more starts next season? Waka or Hauk? Waka. Yeah, I, um, I don't know. I mean, I wrote this question i don't even know the answer i don't even know how i feel about it i think i go hauk um i think he's gonna start the season as the number six starter and then there will be enough injuries well he'll probably be in the rotation most of the year and i just don't know that waka is gonna be able to stick in the rotation i said that about pavetta so hopefully i'm wrong in a similar vein and you can do that but i could see hauk making like 25 starts and waka being out of the rotation by like 15 but i think i think it'll be very close I can also see that easily. Like my guess is a 55% chance versus a 45% chance, not a. And I mean, I could also see Hauk just not being a starter. I mean, they could just decide in by Memorial Day that we just got to make this guy a reliever and let him fly. I mean, I could see that too. I mean, my, the thing I look at is the usage of, uh, Martin Perez and, and Garrett Richards and how they were basically given every chance to stick in the rotation and then like more chances after that and then a couple yeah. more after that and then they were taken out which is why I suspect that Waka will be given the same um, leeway I think the difference for me this year would just be that the depth is better um i mean the red sox had improved depth going into last year but they had some injuries they didn't have any injuries to their major league rotation but hauk was hurt for a lot of the first half same with connor siebold um brian motto went down at spring training and missed the whole season um so i mean this year i mean i've already mentioned the names they have more options so i think um and obviously i mean we don't know all those guys could either pitch poorly or get injured and then the depth is right back to square one but i think there's just a better chance of somebody knocking on the door more emphatically to kick walk out of the rotation whereas with richards and perez um even if we wanted them out of the rotation earlier than they exited other than hauk and hauk was still an open question with his health um there wasn't really an obvious replacement there hopefully they will have better replacements available this year this coming year well, that's just it. Because of the sequencing of this, him coming first, it's the yeah. <laughs> the, the very back end is sort of a black hole right now. Um, I mean, it's less of one, obviously, because they have another guy. But you would think they need to sign more people. Um, so we will see whether or not that happens. I mean, it would. It seems likely to me, obviously, but I'm not counting on. I'm still not counting on like a big, big name like Marcus Stroman because if you are not going to pay to pay pay Eduardo Rodriguez what, um, what the Tigers did, I don't know how you're going to get Marcus Stroman. Yeah, I mean, I think Stroman's a really interesting name. Um, I guess we can talk about him now. We've come, um, we've mentioned him quite a bit. I wrote about him a little bit this morning, um, Tuesday morning. And he is probably, I mean, in terms of projected war by fan graphs um, among remaining free agent starting pitchers, he is number three uh, behind Carlos Rodon and Clayton Kershaw. Um, He seems like he should be sort of the perfect fit tier-wise for the Red Sox. He's not an absolute ace. You're not going to have to pay him $40 million a year like Max Scherzer, which obviously the Red Sox could afford, but I mean, they probably don't want to. That's a whole different conversation. But Stroman is sort of that number three, really solid number three that you'd like to plug in the middle of your rotation. The issue with Stroman for me, I love him as a pitcher in a vacuum, but he's just such a heavy ground ball pitcher and the Red Sox infield defense is awful in a way that I don't see them improving. Um, 
overnight this offseason. Would that be enough to stop you from targeting somebody like Strowman, or is the has the market depleted enough where you think you kind of just have to go after somebody like that, even if the fit doesn't work perfectly well with the roster? First of all, it doesn't matter what I think. <laughs> Second of all, I don't think that they're going to pay Marcus Stroman. I mean, they offered Eduardo Rodriguez, what, one year? No, right? they offered him a multi-year deal. I don't think we ever got the terms of what it was, but they did offer him some sort of multi-year deal. Yeah, I don't think they offered him a competitive multi-year deal, um, at least from his crack about what the Tigers were paying him. And look, a lot of the teams that have been handing out these contracts in the last few days have been, I mean, almost all of them have been his recent historically not very good teams. So there's certainly an argument that these teams are trying to make up for lost time and are maybe overpaying as the Tigers in the case of the Javier Baez deal. I actually don't think you can definitively say that with Max Scherzer because they have the richest owner in baseball and Max Scherzer is not um, I mean he's Max Scherzer so you know they arguably have the best two pitchers in the world on their team Um, but the Rangers going crazy now so there's an argument that the Red Sox are being smart in sitting out this round of deals, but I'm more parsing it through the Erod lens. If they're not going to be competitive on him, I definitely think that the ground ball thing could be an issue. And unless they paired it with like bringing Jose Iglesias back. And even that would just be one sort of roving solution that would not fill out the whole puzzle i just don't see it happening i see more middle tier guys at relatively cheaper contracts i don't think there's going to be a splash so you don't think okay so i mean that was going to be my next question if you see any sort of splash in the rotation or in the infield um because i mean the thing that is the thing that has uh stood out to me as far as all of these players signing in the red sox um lack of involvement or signing these guys it's not just that they're not signing them they haven't really been i mean we don't know what's going on behind closed doors but um publicly according to reports um they haven't even really been involved in most of these free agents some of whom i mean aren't really great fits but some of whom are and i mean would have made a lot of sense to at least have some conversations with so is that to you does that indicate that they're just not gonna make any sort of splash i mean the same same thing happened last off season and the same thing happened at the trade deadline they waited to the last minute and got the cheap guys they were able to get yeah but i mean i mean i guess it depends on your definition of splash maybe kyle schwarber fits that bill from the deadline um i mean do you think it's possible that they look to the trade market instead and make a splash in that realm giving up prospects instead of huge money i just don't see them making any sort of splash i don't think that's what they want to do um i mean did the ray did the rays ever make us i mean the biggest splash the rays ever made they made last week when they signed wonder franco you know um but really they, they just want to slow build they don't want to waste anything i mean sure you saw the graph of uh that our friend john leary and other people must have sent around of the red sox franchise valuation versus payroll over time and one goes up and the other stays still i don't they don't want to make splashes and look we're going to get to this too but with like expanded playoffs and yada 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 think they are content to wait out every cycle. I mean, you said Schwarber was a splash, but he wasn't really. He was available for, for peanuts because they traded Scherzer and we're just like, and Turner, and they're like, screw it. They just take the rest, take him off our hands, just go. Um, I mean, it ended up working out pretty well, but I think for it's 
I don't trust the process necessarily um, in terms of winning the World Series, but in terms of creating a sustainably good team, I trust the process. That seems to be the process that they are eyeballing. I suspect that the spl any splash they make would be more at the trade deadline if the price went down on a player on a bad team because if they're going to make the playoffs anyway, and I feel like they think you know, they're well set up to do that if they can just um, hold the line, especially, you know, you say you got to replace Erod. Well, Sale will start next year and didn't start for, like, a, didn't effectively start for the whole season, really. Um, but I just, I if they make any sort of splash, it will surprise me. I'm just, that's, it just doesn't seem to be the way anymore. And I trust that this is a process that will put them in position to be competitive. But I think also last year was a little fluky and that Hyam Bloom probably knows that. And it seems to me, even if the, this is a little tangenty, but even if they have a better team, they will be lucky to repeat last year's result because kind of every team is every year to make it to the ALCS and win a couple games. But I don't know. I. I'm. Everything. I think look, I. By the time people listen to this, there will be a lockout. So, like, look, everything, <laughs> we don't know anything, you know? I kind of, I think I just disagree generally with, I think they're going, I guess, it. I mean, I, again, it depends on your definition of splash. I don't think they're going to go um, trade for, like, Juan Soto or anything like that. But, I, I mean, I think they, maybe this is just wishful thinking. I mean, you're right based on their history. Um, since Bloom has come in, but it's also been a little bit of a different. Um, the off seasons when Bloom has been in have been a little bit different than this one, where they're coming off a season where they played well and it, their trajectory should be going up, so they should be building up. I mean, I think, I guess I'm giving them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because as much as I don't like this ownership group um, in the sense that I don't really like any ownership group, I mean, they have... Um, shown a willingness to win, and I think that they will recognize that they can't have Nick Pavetta as their third best starter, and they can't have Christian Royo as their everyday plan at second base. So, I mean, I kind of, I don't, the, I mean, you mentioned Bowden um, reporting their interest in Carlos Correa. I absolutely don't buy that. That feels like um, an agent trying to build up his market a little bit. Um, I am. I will be happy to be wrong about that, but I don't really see that kind of splash. But I, I don't know. I kind of think that the free agent market just doesn't line up very well for them right now for the ground ball reasons I was talking about before. And then um, Rodone, I like Rodone. I'm going to talk about him a little bit more in a second. Um, Kershaw, I just, I don't even really consider Kershaw a free agent because it feels like he's he's going to go back to the Dodgers. So that's I, I will. I won't believe he's going to play anywhere else until I actually see it. So I don't even really consider him an option. And so I kind of feel like they're going to look to the trade market for, I don't know, a Sonny Gray, someone of that mold, Chris Bassett or somebody from the athletics. Again, not the biggest names available, but good, solid. I mean, in that sort of Marcus Stroman type tier, I can see those kinds of trades happening. And again, I mean, maybe it's wishful thinking, but that's sort of where I think they're going to go. And I think that stuff's going to happen after the lockout because, I mean, this crazy flurry of activity has all been free agency. We saw, like, one decent-sized trade on Monday with Jacob Stallings going to Miami. Maybe, again, we're recording this Tuesday afternoon. This could all sound stupid by the time you're listening to this, but um, I think the trade market will open up after the lockout, and I, I'm hoping, at least, that that's where their mind is at. They have the farm system now. I mean, if your wishful thinking is going to get Chris Bassett or Sonny Gray, then you need 
Yeah. I mean, my that's, dreams. I agree. <laughs> yeah, it's like I agree with you though. Like that is. About but I think the they extent. would go a long way. Sure, sure, and like, but that's the extent of it. And yeah, this is. I think that is way more the mo is that to use the farm system because those players may not end up being anything um, to trade for guys. Rather, I mean, it seems to be. Uh, more attractive or a, a, probably a better route for them to get better players than the free than a free agent market where they clearly clearly don't want to commit to people for long periods of time or for a lot of money so that's problem on the free agent market yeah I mean I yeah I could see I that know, being I, I could be over different philosophies it, but... for no, I mean, I can see them being wary of giving out pitching contracts and maybe being more aggressive with position players in free agency, and maybe the Correa thing is for real, and they had some reported interest in Javi Baez, who I thought I had actually just talked myself into like right before he signed. And um, So yeah, I mean, I think let's, let's talk a little bit about what's left at free agency at the positions of need. I mean, I think there's three very clear... Um, positions of need left for the Red Sox um, rotation, the bullpen and second base or just middle infield. A few, I mean, I've seen some people say signing a shortstop and moving Bogarts to second, which I think is great if you can do it, but I don't also don't want to piss off Bogarts and um, I would rather sign a second baseman if it means keeping him happy, but either way, um, I mean, in terms of free agents left, I know you've talked about Marcus Stroman a lot. Is he sort of your guy right now? No, I mean, I, because I, 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 he seems to be an object of fascination. He is for me, like he's fun on Twitter, which is a big part of it, right? Um, he's also good, but I don't think he's a, re- it's not that he's not a real risk, realistic option. Like in theory, of course they could sign him. I just don't think they will. I'm look, I look more at like Quang Young Kim or like Michael Pineda, like those are the guys I think that they're more likely to grab for a year or two and just see how it works out uh, than Stroman. I don't, it doesn't have to be those two guys. Those are the two names that sort of jumped out at me, which like your wishful thinking is just like, it's not very wishful. It just seems (laughs) to solve the problem that I imagine that they think they're facing, you know, that's, I don't know. I I just don't expect a big free agent pitcher signing. I hope I'm wrong. I kind of I'm not really expecting it, but I am intrigued by the idea of Carlos Rodon on a one year deal. Um, MLB trade rumors had I don't have their predictions up, but I believe they. Pr- they projected him or predicted a contract for him. It was like a one year, $25 million deal um, or something like that coming off an injury. Um, hoping he would hope that he can prove that he can stay healthy and pitch as well as he did last year and get a big deal next winter. Um, that would be the kind of deal that I would hope the Red Sox would be all over. Of course, every team uh, would probably want to be all over that. But, I mean, he's sort of the guy that is grabbing my interest in terms of top level. Again, I'm not really – I certainly am not expecting this to happen, but I think it makes a lot of sense um, given, you know, we've talked a lot about the pitching depth. So maybe they can afford to sign somebody who's more likely to get injured. Um, and, I mean, this is pie in the sky and three – I mean, there's – very big injury concern with all three of these guys, but if you had a top of the rotation with Sale, Evaldi, and Radon, I mean that would be that would be spectacular. Um, it'd probably only last for like ten starts, but for those ten starts would be thrilling. Um, so he's sort of he's my favorite guy left. I don't think they're gonna sign him. I think you're probably right that like I don't know Danny Duffy maybe um, might be like the high end of who they're looking at. And Duffy is fine, not very exciting. Um, wouldn't cost a lot, but um, Radon, I think, is the guy that I've been thinking about a lot. If if he takes a one-year... I could see them paying up on a one-year deal 
Um, again, a lot of I could see a lot of teams doing that, but I could see the Red Sox saying we don't want to give a long term deal to a starting pitcher, but where we can give a one year deal for a lot of money. Again, wishful thinking, but Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, I mean, that's Radon and that's sort of where we're at. Pitching-wise, the other, to me, the other major move that they can make would be in the middle infield um christian arroyo is a fine player um a guy that i certainly would not be mad about having on a good bench as having as being the top bench infielder uh, but i don't really think he should be a starting player for a team that wants to make a playoff run so i think they do need second base and there's not a whole lot of help left in the middle infield i mean it's really at this point it's correa and story and then there's chris taylor who's a solid player iglesias simmons hernandez cesar hernandez i mean any of these names are what do you think about story and correa i guess i mean we had a listener question about this um if you from robbie hyde if you could go story or correa um would you choose or would you go with another one of the guys that I mentioned. Well, if I could choose, <laughs> it's a loaded question. Uh, I'd take uh story because fuck Correa. Sorry. It's just like, <laughs> it's just Astro shit. I mean, he might, he's probably better. He's definitely younger. So, um, but I mean, I'll tell you the name that jumped out at me was Chris Taylor. That seems like uh down to the team, a potential Enrique Hernandez redux. Um, and exactly the type of player they really value uh, and like. So that would be, if that to me would count, I guess, as a splash, and that's one I could see. Taylor? Yes. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I was really big on Taylor at the start of the offseason. Him getting the qualifying offer did take my interest down in him just a little bit i don't know if i would love giving up a draft pick for him but at the end of the day red sox have so many draft picks in that second round range i mean they have right now they have three picks in the second round because um they they have their own they have the pick that they um got for not signing jet fabian and then one that they got back from eduardo rodriguez they can't lose their first round pick so i i mean it's a negligible cost at this point. I do like Taylor. Um, Chris Cotilla has reported that they, the Red Sox don't have much interest there, which kind of surprised me for the reasons that you mentioned. I mean, they love versatility so much that it makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's sort of, I mean, if you're, I don't think they're going to sign Correa or story um, of the two to answer the question. I would definitely prefer Correa. I know the Astro stuff and all that. Um, and it's fair, but He's just so much better. I'm not a big Trevor Story guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than those three, Correa, Story, and Taylor, it's weak. I mean, Jose Iglesias might be the best one, and I would probably rather have Christian Royo starting than Jose Iglesias. So um, middle infield market is weak. Semyon and Baez, I thought, were the two best fits for... The Red Sox, but they are no longer on the board. So this is a uh, this is another area where if they really want to make an impact, it's probably going to have to be in trade. What about VR? Uh, I mean, I think they think that 
the price on him. Yeah, well, that. But again, it's the price that matters. It's not it, to me. It, how good they are with as long as they're within a range, kind of doesn't matter to them. At least on the Fangraphs free agent page, which was sent to me by a helpful editor, um, <laughs> Chris Taylor's crowdsourced mean uh, annual value is fifteen million, and VR's is six. They're the same age. I know Taylor's better, but that seems like something the Red Sox would be interested in because of the price. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm looking at VR's numbers right now. He's a better player than I think I thought he was. Um, I guess I could get behind VR a little bit more, but I don't know. I mean, I certainly wouldn't be excited about it, but I know what you're going to say, and that's sort of where they're living right now, and it's, it's fair. I don't know. I guess he's and a better option. Wasn't there like a small uproar in Baltimore when they traded via? Or did, they didn't even trade him. They cut him. Yeah. Um, I believe they. Yeah, they non-tendered him. Um, and that was largely because he was their only like actual baseball player left. So it was kind of bullshit that they didn't even trade him. Um, well, but... so so last off season. They non-tendered their only baseball player, and this year they're trying to trade their only baseball player. Yes, it is uh, It is nice for Red Sox fans that no matter how bad it gets right now, it is almost impossible to see them finishing in last place. Um, so we get that going for us. Hey, look, if they weren't in the same division, and even if they are, trade for Cedric Mullins, baby. If he's I mean, that man. would be awesome. That would be that would be sweet. I do not see them spending that uh, spending that prospect capital for no. um for an outfielder but um all right bullpen wise this is where the red sox need the most help and the free agent market is not not very attractive um Rizel iglesias rules um and i really think the red sox should take a long look here um extreme same extreme same I mean, they desperately need a high-end reliever. And yes, it is not ideal to give up a draft pick for a reliever. And yes, any reliever can just flame out at any time. But Iglesias has been consistently good for pretty much his entire career. Um, Last winter, the thing that I was most upset about with the Red Sox was them not getting Iglesias almost literally for free. Um, The player that the Angels gave up for Iglesias' former Red Sox pitcher, uh, Noe Ramirez, who ended up getting cut like a couple months later and then re-signing with the Angels anyways. So it was essentially for free they got um, one of the best relievers in baseball. Red Sox didn't get that. Now they'll have to pay up a little more, but he just seems like... I mean, he's the only option in terms of high-end guys. I guess Kenley Jansen too, but he's sort of in the um, Kershaw zone for me where I just don't see him going anywhere else. Yeah. I totally agree with you. I mean, if if you have the strategy they have, this is where you can spend without spending a lot because the market just isn't as hot as the other positions, um, no matter how good they are. So I'm this is if there's one guy on this list or on the list of free agents who I think that they could sign and in a way that would still fit with their general plan and make me happy, it's it's Iglesias. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not really expecting it, but um, it just makes all the sense of the world for this team. Let Whitlock, don't have to keep him in the bullpen. It just, it fits. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there like i said earlier i think most of this stuff's gonna happen after the lockout and uh speaking of the lockout like i said at the start of the show uh, that is all but certain to happen tonight when you're listening to this uh wednesday night at midnight going into thursday morning uh that is when the cba um officially expires and the owners will freeze transactions and lock the players out um, we don't ever have any idea what's going on in these negotiations. Things get selectively leaked. Everybody gets mad. It's a fun little dance that we do online um, seemingly every day, and it's going to be our life for a little while. Um, 
I mean, prediction time on something that we have no idea about is always fun. Do you think they're going to miss games or cut into spring training with this lockout? Is Rob Manfred involved? Supposedly. Then yes. You do? Something. I I don't. I don't know. Again, I, I maybe I'm just too much wishful thinking here. I just feel like once the lockout comes into play um, and we're actually like living it and we get closer to spring training and it becomes clear that they're actually going to start losing like real money. I think it'll come together. I'm, I'm thinking we're going to, they're going to go a little bit past the new year and they'll start things back up in like the second week of January. Um, but again, total guess. I don't really know what's going to happen. And like you said, Rob Manfred being involved, uh, could certainly mean that they miss spring training. Um, or actual games, which would be a disaster. Um, and, and no respect, to, no disrespect to Tony Clark, because yeah, I mean he will do his part as well. But he's not a labor lawyer. Um, though actually, had, that, uh, that probably that probably um, that probably makes it more likely that they hash something out. But. <laughs> yeah, it's something awful for the players. Yeah. Um, any rule changes um, can be on the field, financial systems, whatever that you really want to see in this next CBA. Well, look, this is just something this week. I think they should like they should build in a signing freeze in like mid December to mid February, just so we get a deadline, just so we get all these deals in December. This is great. Like all these, this flurry of uh, contracts. I don't really uh, like it. <laughs> it's very well, selfish, you... but I, I kind of like the slow drip. No, screw the slow drip. I hate it. Just got to wait for that. Ugh. Well, the thing that, I mean, the reason that all these other leagues have it is the salary cap, right? I mean, that's the real way to get all these signings going because teams want to be able to get their players in um, and get to the cap and floor before the best players are gone and that's i mean i think that's why you see it in the nba and the nfl and i think that would be the best way to do it in mlb but i don't want to see a salary cap so i but i kind of like the slow drip i know why and i think it's gone extremely slow the last few years and it would be nice to find a way to balance but i don't i don't know i just feel like there would be so many unintended consequences from putting in that sort of deadline um stuff that i wouldn't even think about but i mean guys that are injured and want to work out and maybe wouldn't be able to throw until late January when the freeze would be on. I mean, that sort of thing would kind of stink. I don't really know how you get along around that sort of thing, but um, I get where it's coming from. And I've seen a lot of people point that out. I'm just, I'm not crazy about it. Fix it. Fix (laughs) it. No, I I mean, I agree. There could be consequences, but it's entertaining to me. So I prefer it. Yeah. It's tiring to me, but I mean, are we expecting um, that it's going to be universal DH just, I mean, that's a given to me, right? Yeah. I mean, right. that's, that's, I want to see the pitch clock. I know so many people don't like it. I don't understand. It's happening. It doesn't matter clock. whether I, you want to see it, whether they want it. It's happening. I don't know. It seems like the players, I don't know if the players are like actually against it or are actually being good negotiators and using it as a chip, but um, okay. it seems like I there's should... a decent amount of pushback. Let me rephrase. It's happening eventually. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It'll happen at some point. I don't know if it'll happen like starting next year, but I want to see it starting next year. I think it would solve a lot of problems and not just the timing, but also the fact that pitchers are throwing a hundred miles an hour on every pitch, um, which is not ideal for the style of the game. Most people want to see. Uh, let's see. Jeff Passan, last thing about the CBA stuff before we get into some listener questions. Uh, Jeff Passan reported on Monday the latest offer from the league included an expanded playoff field to 14 teams. Um, so that would add, what, two more teams from each league. Um, and the ability for the higher seed to pick opponents. How are you feeling about those playoff changes? Well, on the first one, the 14 team playoffs. My thought is if you're going to make this hockey and basically have half the team make the playoffs, you need a much bigger playoffs. I don't want a bunch of these adding all these teams to play, to have their season come down to one game. I think it would be best of, I think they said best of three, which is still a small sample, but 
I think they were going to change the wild card to best of three. I, I mean, part of part of the expanded playoff field is why teams like the Red Sox are content to just be good. Um, I mean, they and they were very good last year, so no complaints there. But uh, I would just prefer cutting. I mean, that this won't happen because of money, but like. If you're going to have 14 teams, I'd much rather have a very, I'd like a two-month playoffs or six-week playoffs uh, instead of a one-month playoffs. And I don't want to see any one-game playoffs, which I, look, I enjoy it as it is now, but the more they expand it, the less it seems to me to incentivize teams to be extremely good and there's nothing cooler yeah. than extremely good baseball teams yeah now, i mean uh, that's okay oh, uh, well no go ahead because i'm gonna upset well, you well i was gonna on the expanded playoffs i mean that's that's my biggest issue is that it just i mean it breeds mediocrity it, there's no real reason to be very good anymore but yeah what about the other part i hate the idea of picking the playoff team oh it's so good, Brian. It's so good. It. I hate it. Why? It's, I just... <laughs> I think it rules. To me, it sort of makes a, a mockery of the standings, frankly. Well, um, so, I mean, in the current system, part of the reason I like it is just pettiness and all that sort of stuff. Okay, I get um, behind that. I mean, but also, just the fact that, um, like, if there's was if there's um a hundred win team coming out of the wild card like there was in the national league this year it would be nice to give the top seed an option to play one of the other divisional opponents i think that would be cool and then you wouldn't have to get giants dodgers in the um in the wild card round you could also reseed by record and um save it that way but i just kind of like the idea that a team is explicitly saying i want to play you because i think i can beat you in this playoff series that is fun to me so i i understand that but i also think that people are sort of missing the forest for the trees here especially with the example you just mentioned they had a all-time classic playoff series yeah but it could have gone seven instead of five but it could have never it never could have happened it could have never happened at all that's true so I just think it's, I kind of think it's just not fair, uh, even though it, like, if you were, if I was on the playground and we well, were doing shouldn't the be same. Fair. Shouldn't it be more fair? No. You finish where you finish and you play who, you're, who you play. That's what the standings are for. Yeah, but with the divisions, you don't always play who you should play, I guess. But, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I get where you're coming from, but I just, mostly for me, it's the pettiness and it's having to tell a team that we want to play you and then um, having your, what was that, Matt Hasselbeck, we going to take the ball and score and then immediately throw an interception. Just the baseball version of that. We want to play you and then get swept in three games, losing by 10 runs every time. I mean, that it, is, it is a, as you're alluding, like, it is a hashtag content gold mine waiting to happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Like these Braves, think about how many teams would have wanted to play these Braves. Yeah, yeah. And the narratives and the story, I don't know. I think it would be fun, but I mean, I get what you're saying with the standings. And I don't think anything that creative is going to start with baseball. I mean, other and basketball has talked about doing this before, too. So it's not like this is their idea. But I can't see Major League Baseball being the first league to do this. They'll follow some other league. All right, uh, let's get into a few listener questions before we finish this one off. Uh, this one is from Dutch Sox fan. Um, kind of going back to what we were talking about before with the infield defense and ground ball pitchers. Um, they want to know if getting Correa would be enough to improve the infield defense. Correa did just win the gold glove at shortstop. Your mileage may vary about what that means, but he is a good defensive player. Is that an, Would that be enough to improve the defense to make a ground ball pitcher work? Well, well, I mean, if you sign Correa, you're not signing Stroman. Like, 
So I I I, I know the question says uh, ground ball pitcher. It doesn't have to be Stroman. I mean, any ground ball pitcher. I mean, no. But if you sign Correa, it would be worth it on its on its own. So yeah. Well, that's sort of the thing. Is I mean, as far as the defense goes, either way, you're still not going to have great defense at three out of the four infield positions. I mean, you're just you're not taking Bogarts or Devers off the infield. So the infield defense is just it has a low ceiling. Um, but the thing about signing Correa would be, I mean, the best it's the best defense is a good offense sort of thinking. You can maybe you'll give up a few more runs with bad infield defense, but you're also going to score a few more runs because you have Carlos Correa hitting in your lineup. So um, I think in that sense, it helps your defense because your offense is better. But in terms of just the actual defense, I don't think one player is going to change too much. Uh, let's see. Ivan L. Apex uh, asks if you would take on Mike Moustakas' salary if you could get Luis Castillo from the Reds, um, and then they throw out a trade, Luis Castillo and Mike Moustakas, for Bobby Dahlbeck, Jaron Duran, Jake Room, and Connor Siebold. Um I think that question was misdirected. I think it was meant for Dave Dombrowski, to whom the answer would be, <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, actually, I don't even know if Dombrowski would do that, but I know Heimblum won't. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I don't think I realized that um, Mike Moustakas was so bad last year. Um, he had a 70 WRC+. plus. That is awful. Um, yeah, I thought Mike Moustakas had been better than that, and I would have said yes, uh, but I don't know if I would. Assuming that the Red Sox are going to stick to the sort of budget that we're expecting. I don't know if that's how I would want to. Uh, I don't know if I'd want to give up that much. It's not just prospects, but it's like relative. It's close to the majors or in the majors prospects. For a bad player, is going to take up a big chunk of your payroll. And I mean, Luis Castillo is very good, but I'd rather just go get him for whatever you can get him for. I don't know if it would take that much if you're taking on Musakis' contract too. But and Castillo know. would be a like. You get him for two or three of those guys, maybe at the trade deadline, and save yourself the Mustakas headache. Um, the, by all that, accounts, the asking price on Castillo right now is massive, so yeah, it might right, cost and, that alone just right. for Castillo. So then, I mean, so that's not even yeah any any massive price thing is just not happening. <laughs> all right, uh, last one um, from Tua. Tagava Dolphins? I don't know how to say his last name, I'm sorry. And then this is Dolphins at the end of his name. Um, does Bloom balk at paying Xander what he's worth? Um, does he trade him or let him walk? Uh, so you think... Where are you on Xander right now? You can opt out after next season. Do you think that they're going to keep him or trade him? Or just let him walk free agency? Uh, I would say... Does Bo- does Bloom balk at paying Xander what he's worth? Yes. Does he trade him or let him walk? Well, <laughs> recent history suggests they might trade him. Dodgers would be a fit. Sure could be. That would be crushing. Sure would be. Can you imagine Bloom's legacy? It's already his legacy. Um, trading Mookie and Xander, I think that he just doesn't care. I don't think they're trading Xander. I think Xander's staying for a long time. I would be, I could see, I think it's more likely that Devers, not any time within the next year, but I think it's more likely that Devers would be traded because they can't come up with something long-term than Bogarts. Bogarts just feels like, even more so than Mookie, who's obviously a better player, um, Xander just feels like a guy who's, like the next, there's always like the one guy on the Red Sox that's always on the Red Sox, and he is just is the Red Sox. Xander feels like that guy, and I think um, that's the kind of thing that I think ownership would be like. No, we're gonna we gotta get something done, and um, they might, like I said, maybe trade Devers or make some other moves um, on the other side of that to stay neutral in terms of payroll. But I I just can't see them trading Xander. I mean, I agree with you in theory, but the defense is. I think he'll move eventually within the next couple of years. I think I think once once JD leaves, Devers can slide to DH and Bogarts can slide to third base, and things kind of make more sense. But I've said it a lot during this episode. It's just wishful thinking. 
We'll see. I don't know what's actually going to happen. All right. That is going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, we hope you enjoyed what you listened to today. If you did, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. I run the Over the Monster account at Over the Monster. Brian is at Brian Joiner. Brian with a Y, Joiner with an I. And uh, you can find all of our writing at OverTheMonster.com. And we will be back with you uh, probably next week.